Once you live in the 716, Buffalo sports is ingrained in your soul. No matter where you are, we always remember the roots that helped us grow. Don't let where you live or the people around you stop you from showing your Buffalo pride. Join us Buffalonians as we talk all things sports in the 716 on the Buffalo Loyal Podcast. Circles the way, like the Buffalo Bills. I'm your host, Nick English, alongside my co-host, Andrew Ogwich. No matter where we are, no matter the heartbreak, we will always remain Buffalo Loyal. This is the Buffalo Loyal Podcast, coming to you live on a Friday night. Appreciate everyone for tuning in each and every week. Uh, got a lot of Sabres content coming to you today. We're getting closer to the draft, um, so we're going to have a lot more Bills-centric content um, in the coming weeks. Um, but before we kind of take a deep dive um, into the Sabres today, talk about some awards that me and Andrew are going to give out for the year, um, go over maybe some of the comments from Don Granado and Kevin Adams at their end-of-year pressers, what things stood out and whatnot. Um, Bills did have an extension yesterday. They re-signed or excuse me, sorry, extended Tyler Bass um, for an additional four years. Um, I think it's pretty safe to say he has been the uh, best kicker we've had in a long time, Um, and it's good to keep a guy like that around, especially when you have the weather situation like we do um, in Buffalo. Kickers don't normally get the uh, shine they deserve, but Tyler Bass, uh, Mr. Swag himself with the one eye black, um, gets a good deal for the Bills. Um, seems pretty friendly. You know, everyone sees the up to $21 million and think that's a pretty high number, but for the conditions you're kicking in and for how reliable uh, I feel like he's been the last few years, it doesn't, there hasn't really been a huge point in time. I think at least in his bills tenure where you've been super worried about trotting him out there or he's missed a really, really big kick thus far, uh, knock on wood. Um, but yeah, definitely a well-deserved extension. Uh, your thoughts, Andrew? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I, he's been incredibly solid for this team, um, right? I mean, a couple errant kicks here and there, uh, but when he's on, he's on. Um, he's, you know, a, a big part of success. Special teams is always, um, you know, not the the most attractive thing to talk about and, and you know, can be unsung heroes at times, but uh, he's been pretty clutch uh, for the most part when they need him to be. So I'm glad they locked him in and, and right. That kind of completes uh, that trifecta, the special teams trifecta of locking those players in. Of course, Sam Martin signed a three-year extension. Uh, I know Reed Ferguson signed a, a three-year contract uh, recently as well. And then now you got Bass. So those three uh, are big, part of success uh whether you believe it or not um they are part of the team and and, a big part of uh you know what the bills need to do every given week so i'm glad to lock them in uh i think bass definitely deserves it um he's been very solid for them um so yeah i'm happy with it I, i think the money makes sense the deal makes sense everyone's happy on both sides so i'm all for it yeah it was uh Pleasant surprise yesterday getting that coming across the timeline. Uh, not too much going on in Bill's land. They're having some voluntary, you know, OTA stuff. Um, so it's good to see the players getting back in the building and getting after it. Seems like Von Miller's progressing along pretty well. 
um, which is a great sign. Um, but we're, you know, getting really close to draft time here. So we'll be able to talk about a lot more um, Bill stuff going forward. Um, quickly, the Bandits. Uh, I'm just going to share um, a Twitter uh, tweet that Andrew sent me uh, just the other day. Uh, Matt Vince is one win away from setting the all-time franchise record for goaltender wins. And Andrew said, you know what gives me goosebumps when this washed up hack actually makes a save? Uh, so, Andrew, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, Matt Vince and how big uh, tomorrow's game is? Yes, thanks for calling me out there. Uh, in the tweet, he they quoted him as saying, it gives you goosebumps. It's that extra shot of adrenaline when I'm able to run out into bandit land, when you're able to look up and see faces that mean so much to you. It's part of my game. So that's why I said, you know, it gives me goosebumps when uh, when he makes a save. So um, in all seriousness, look, he is was an incredibly talented, very good, dominant goaltender. Um has been in the league a long time, came to us from Rochester, has been um, on a couple of different teams, has been very good everywhere he's gone. Um, do I think the game has passed him by? I don't know. You be the judge. If you've listened <laughs> to any of the last handful of uh, shows or, you know, even back to last year, uh, he's not my most, my, my favorite bandit player. Um, but, you know what he's accomplished is is still nothing short of amazing, right? Any any time a player can um, set a record uh, for a franchise for the league is still pretty cool. So um, hopefully they win uh, and he gets that record because there is a lot at stake uh, going into tomorrow's game, Saturday's game against the Toronto Rock. So this is the last home game of the regular season, uh, Fan Appreciation Night at Key Bank Center. Um, so there's a lot on the line for the bandits looking ahead to the playoff race. So if the bills win, uh, they will clinch the East conference number one seed. Uh, currently that is held by Toronto. Um, but you, right. This is the, the, um, equalizer game. Yeah, there's a game in hand there. So if you win, you beat Toronto, you will clinch that number one seed in the East. You can clinch the overall seed tomorrow if you beat Toronto, San Diego, San Diego loses against Las Vegas, and Calgary loses against Panther City. So you need two things to happen for, well, in addition to the win, you need two things to happen for you to get the number one overall seed in the league. Uh, Toronto only needs to beat Buffalo and a San Diego loss to get the number one overall seed. So both teams are playing for, you know, seeding number one spots, both in, in the East and overall. So this is going to be a very um, intense game. I mean, games against Toronto are always intense to begin with. There's that rivalry, um, right? It's always there. But then you add on these number one uh, seeding implications. It is going to be chippy. It is going to be just a very intense, high-flying game. I guarantee you that. So if you're in Buffalo, if you're able to go, I highly recommend it. Um, if not, this game will be on ESPNU tomorrow night, uh, Saturday night at 8 o'clock. Uh, it is the ESPN NLL game of the week. Um makes sense there's a lot at stake so um i definitely recommend trying to watch this game any way you can um 
We'll see who is healthy, who is still going to be on IR. Is Tohoka Nanakote um, anywhere closer to coming back to where he was um, before that injury, before he's been on IR for quite some time? Uh, how is Chase Frazier looking? How is he feeling? He's been dealing with the after effects of that surgery he had after the PLL season last summer. Um, he's been in and out of the lineup uh, recently. So we'll see how that all happens. Josh Byrne um, had a pretty big game last week. Can he continue that success? How is his health doing? Can Dane Smith turn things around? Uh, can Matt Vince do enough to keep them in it and just win this game? Uh, so we'll see uh, a super big game. Again, that's a eight o'clock start Saturday night, tomorrow night in bandit land. So, I'm hoping they can uh, find a way to dislodge their heads out of their asses and put together a full lacrosse game, look like a real team again, and kind of take this seriously moving in to the playoff push. It's This is the second to last game on the schedule, their last home regular season game. So we'll see. We'll see uh, which team shows up. Is it going to be the dominant bandit team that we've uh, been so used to seeing the past couple of years and, and parts of this season? Or is it going to be the team that's going to make you want to pull your hair out and you know they have to scratch and claw their way into overtime and 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 get a lucky bounce to win it or they're going to get embarrassed uh, against toronto again so we'll see what happens um definitely must watch tv if uh you are interested in that but yeah, that's uh, that's about it for the Bandits. We'll uh, we'll see how that shakes out, and then they they play Albany in the following weekend to wrap up the regular season. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, best time to uh, get hot is right now to go into yeah. playoffs with some well confidence too. And that's the thing with this Bandits team. The past couple of years during the regular season, they've started hot. They've been just absolutely dominant. And then throughout the season, they started to decline where by the time they got into the playoffs, they just looked exhausted. They didn't have anything else in them. They couldn't sustain the high flying, the the high scoring, high power gameplay that they started the season with where this year they've been pretty even keel throughout the season, right? Like for better or for worse, there haven't been too many ups and downs where they're just destroying teams, um, right? Blanking teams out parts of the game. Um, it's been a battle back and forth. So if there's ever a time to get hot to your point, Nick, it's right now, right? Like find that in yourself to get to that dominant play that you know you can have. You know you can play like this. Yeah, you're missing some pieces. The uh Roster looks a little bit different. Guys are banged up. Guys are playing hurt. But um, for the most part, you've got a similar roster that you've had the past couple of years. The the pieces are there to be dominant and to get over that hump and actually win a championship. So then, um, right, you're totally right, Nick. It starts this weekend against Toronto. You have to you have to play the best lacrosse you've played this whole season. Uh, this is a it's not a must win game. You're in the playoffs either way. But I mean, if you, if you have guys playing hurt, you've got guys that are banged up that aren't a hundred percent to get a buy, to get some home games, some easy playing, right? Like try to have the playoffs go your way. You got to win against Toronto. Um, 
So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens this weekend. And then, right. You go into the, the following week, you play Albany who uh, is already out of it. They're not a good squad. So you can get a, a feel good win there going into playoffs. So we'll see lots, uh, lots on the doorstep for this team. We'll see, uh, see if they answer. Yeah, definitely uh, tune in on Saturday if you get the chance. Uh, NHL playoffs are in full swing. Uh, We've now had about a week or so to kind of devolve from the Sabres, um, but it's always good to look back on the season and kind of do some reflecting. So myself and Andrew went ahead, and we're going to go through basically five sets of awards for the season. We're going to go through from – a player we think that's going to make a big jump next year, most disappointing, um, unsung hero, the most improved, and then the team, uh, MVP. And then we'll kind of close with maybe some of the comments we thought were interesting from Granado and Adams um, at their presser. But um, I'll let Andrew, I'll let you start off. Um, going into next year, obviously this was a great year. You you know finished just outside the playoffs. You know, you get one or two more bounces your way throughout the year, whether that's injuries or just a puck going your way in the game. And you're maybe you're the team right now that's like the Florida Panthers, you know, scratching and fighting against the Bruins in the first round right now, tied one to one. Um, So going into next year, who is the player that you think is going to make um, that next jump um, and basically be the most improved next year? Yeah, so <clears throat> there are a couple options uh, for this. I, I went back and forth, and one guy who could have found himself in another uh, category here, but I think really kind of put together a nice run towards the end of the season, and I'd like to see him build on that going into the next year, is Casey Middlestat. Uh, this is a guy who, right, I mean, Nick, let's be honest, you're on this wagon of just cursing him out, wanting oh, yeah. him gone, get him out out of Buffalo as fast as you can. Um, I think he he did made some real great progress the second half, uh, second quarter, second third right in there of the season, right? He started making things happen. He, he seemed way more calm, way more in tune to the play on the ice. He was getting some goals, getting some assists. I, I think he put together a really nice campaign towards the end of the year to make a push to uh, kind of convince – um, this team that he deserves to be on the roster moving forward. He deserves to stay here. He uh, is not trade bait. He's not lost his step. Um, so I'd like to see him uh, kind of grow on that, right? When you think, ne- you know, a big jump next year, you think young guys, you know, can they, you know, make it through a softer slump, a sophomore slump, something like that. But um, I think a guy like Casey Middlestad has, a lot to offer and a lot to prove and kind of grow off of. I, I love the way he ended the year and, and let's see how, um, you know, he can continue to evolve his game in the off season and come out swinging into the new year. You can, you, you know, it's great to have a guy like that in your lines that you can rely on. Um, and, you know, he hasn't really been that like they hoped they would, like he would be up to this point, but that started to shift towards the end of the season. So I'd like to see him continue um, on that trajectory. He was on uh, the past few months. Yeah. I, uh, I have been wrong before just like <laughs> a million times on this podcast. Um, But yeah, middle stats been, uh, was great for the team down the stretch. Um, 
I've obviously uh, changed my tune a little bit if you've listened to the last few weeks as far as uh, apologizing him. And he'll get some more apologies. Uh, we'll sneak ahead uh, in a little bit from me. But, uh, yeah, love the pick. For me, the next year jump is uh, J.J. Paterka. Um, like you said, Andrew, there's a lot of players that, honestly, in almost all these awards, I think of the five, there's only one really no-brainer to me on my list. All the other ones you could have – pick two, three, and four guys for any of these, you know, awards that we're doing, especially when you look at the Owen Powers, the Jack Quinns, who also looked poised to kind of, like you said, the young, young players trying to avoid the sophomore slumps and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but Paterka to me was a guy who clearly had a lot of ups and downs this year. He had to go and sit, you know, in the press box a little bit more than, you know, his fellow line mate, Jack Quinn. You know, you saw Jack Quinn jump up and play with, uh, Tage Thompson and Jeff Skinner when Alex Tuck got hurt um, and it was a little bit more consistent but I thought that um, down the late stretch of the season I thought Paterka put you know really a couple good weeks together um, scored a couple really big goals for the team when they were really trying to make the playoffs specifically against the Rangers um, and I think he's got that bite to his game I think he's got a little bit more grit um, than some of the other younger players he's got the quick speed and it seems like of all the young guys, the thing that really stood out to me about Paterka is that it never seemed like his motor was off. Like it seemed like no matter what shift he was out there for, regardless of how things were going good or bad, uh, the effort was there a hundred percent of the time. And you can't always say that um, with young players. So I think if he's able to get a little bit more consistency of who he's playing with, you know, getting through a full calendar year, go back home, you know, Jeremy, I know he's going to be playing uh, for them uh, coming up for the world championships and whatnot, but, you know, continue to grow, continue to develop, come back a little bit stronger. Um, and I think he's going to have a lot bigger year. I think there's also a lot of games this year where he had a lot of golden opportunities and just was not burying his chances um, and missing the net a lot. Um, I think you'll come back and see a, a hungrier guy uh, next year and make a big jump. Um, going over to, uh, most disappointing, um, luckily for the Sabres, usually every year, this is a category you can throw a bunch of guys in. Um, but this year I feel like going, uh, through most disappointing, uh, really came down to really two to three guys overall. Um, so who was that for you, Andrew? Yeah, for me, that was, uh, Victor Olofsson, uh, really, expected more from him right i mean the past couple of years he's kind of gotten that uh name of being right golofson he was big on power plays and um i just thought his play this year was flat you know lots of mistakes now look he was not in the bottom of the stats for points he had 40 points this year 28 goals 12 assists um but his plus minus was minus 23. That's second to, to Bryson. I mean, that's, a, that's just disgusting. That can't happen, uh, especially as a winger, right? Like y- you don't want one of your wingers to be minus 23. That's uh, not great at all. So it just, it's just boring play by him. Like I said, lots of mistakes. He just did not add anything to this roster. So a guy who, would say is a, a bubble player coming into the season just did not do anything to prove 
that he deserves to be here, like Casey Middlestat did, right? Casey Middlestat was on the hot seat, um, right? I mean, you, Nick, you kind of lumped these two together for part of the season. Uh, I think Casey rose to the occasion, and, and Olafson didn't. So uh, definitely very disappointing season for him. Yeah, and I think part of the reason why I was probably dogging Middlestat was because of this guy being on his wing, like you said, Andrew, you look at the 28 goals, but then you go look in the plus minus. Now, granted, plus minus can be a deceiving stat when you talk about certain players and teams and whatnot, but not for this team. Not when you look around at, you know, all the other players on this roster and where they were at as far as the plus minus goes. I mean, Bryson didn't play nearly as much either. And it speaks a lot when you're in a playoff race in the thick of it. You're making just under $5 million and you're getting healthy scratch the last two weeks of the season because the young guys like Paterka, the Yost that you claim during the season are giving you a lot more valuable, you know, minutes. And the thing with Olofsson too is defensively, he just always loses his assignment when you're throwing pucks in the offensive end. He is the last player that's going to go in into the corners, fight for the puck. You know, he's just not going to stand in front of the net and tip pucks in and get abused like Cousins and Tuck do. Um, so, yeah, like you said, Middlestat took advantage of his opportunity, and I don't anticipate Olofsson probably being on this roster come next year. There's too many young guys that we have in the pipeline that are coming up, and you saw how the team played without him, and there was it wasn't like you took him out of the lineup and you're like, oh, man, I'm seeing a huge difference that he's not in there in a bad way. Um, right. So we'll see what happens with him. But, yeah, definitely a, a disappointing year. Uh, was definitely one of the few people I was thinking of for, you know, this category. Uh, I went with Henry Yokiharyu. I don't think he had a bad year. Um, but kind of like you said, Andrew, I just expected a lot more. Um, you already know who your top three defensemen are. It's Owen Power, it's Rasmus Dahlin, it's Matias Samuelson. And when Matias Samuelson went out, you know, Henry Okiharu had a chance to step up and play some big minutes. Even when he was in the lineup, um, referring to Samuelson, he was playing a lot of minutes with Owen Power. You know, Power had a really unreal year, I thought. I think he should be in the top three for rookie of the year, in my opinion. I don't think he's going to win it, but um, he definitely needs to be in that conversation. But I just don't think that he was consistent enough. There were some games where you're like, okay, he's moving the puck well. He's not hesitating. He's moving it up the ice. You know, he's doing the right things. And then there's other games where he's just flubbing passes in front of our own net. Um, he's shaky with the puck, getting, you know, thrown off the puck in the corners. And you're just like texting your buddies like, what the fuck is this Yoki Haru guy doing? Um, and I think there was a little bit too much of that this year. I think going into next year, they need to find Owen Power, a new defensive partner to kind of elevate his game. If you go into next year and Henry Yoki Haru is your third pair defenseman, I think that's totally fine. I just don't think he, from the few years he's been here, I know he's still a relatively young player, but the minutes he's been playing – um, I just don't think he has really jumped at his opportunity he's had, and I don't think he's deserving of playing that 20 to 25 minutes a night. Sure, if there's an injury, he can step in there and you know, fill it for you for a few games, um, but you are, like I said before, when Samuelson or Darlene or Power's not playing, 
you're kind of in a real hole with him going up and playing first and second pair minutes all the time. Um, so to me, he was kind of my most disappointing. So I was hoping he was going to make that next step and you'd have that top four solidified going into next year. Um, I'm not so sure that that's the case right now um, with the Sabres. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. Um, especially the last month or so, just so many mistakes. And it's just, you can't do that. When the team's trying to make a playoff push, you cannot be the reason things go wrong, um, especially right in the position he's in. Uh, so, yeah, no, I totally agree. Unsung hero, I'm really interested. I, I love <laughs> I loved your pick because we already know each other's picks, but I'm I'm interested to see uh, you know the reasoning behind it. But I'm not I'm definitely not against it. I like this pick. Yeah, so my selection for unsung hero is not uh, probably not what people are expecting, uh, but for whatever reason, it never hit me until earlier in this season just how long this player's been a Buffalo Saver. So my unsung hero is Zemgis Gergensen's solely for the fact that this guy has been on the Buffalo Sabres since 2012. It is 2023 right now. What? Like, I, I don't know why that didn't click until this season. He has been on this team for so long. It's absurd. It's insane. And he's only 29 too. Like, it's just, I just, I could not get, it baffled me, blew my mind that the Latvian locomotive has been on this Buffalo Sabres team for that long. Now, look, he's not a flashy player. He had 18 points this year, but you know what? He played in 80 games. That's the third most on the team. He played in 80 games this year. Like it just blows my mind just how dedicated to this team he is. I mean, I just a guy who, right, doesn't have any highlights, doesn't have the flashy name, what anything like that. Just dude's been here and he's been putting in the work. And again, I mean, he this season, I don't know, nothing really stands out about Zemgis Gergensen's 2022-2023 season, but He's been here. He is an alternate for the team. He's one of those good locker room glue guys that keeps this team together, right? He is one of the reasons this team is moving in the direction it's moving. We got all the young talent. We got the young guns, the young studs, but you need guys like Aposo and Gergensen's to kind of keep everyone together and keep things moving forward. Um, and it's just, it's, it's just incredible to me that he's been on the team for this long. That's nuts. That's nuts. It hit me just before the Ryan Miller day because uh, he was the only player on the roster to have played or had a chance to play with Ryan Miller. It's just like nuts. That's so crazy to me that he's been on this team for that long. Everything this crazy team has been through, Zemgis has been there for a good chunk of it. So that just blew my mind. Um, and I, I just, I wanted to give him props. I wanted to give him uh, some credit for all the hard work he's done and just the grinding he's done uh, for the Buffalo Sabres. So that's why Zemgus Gergensen's the, the, the Latvian locomotive uh, is my unsung hero. 
that's 2015 all-star Zembius Kurgan. You're right. A lot of people forget that he was actually one of the leading vote getters because all <laughs> yeah. the people in Latvia were just yeah. voting nonstop to get this <laughs> man in. So Nuts. shout out to him. Such a fun story. Like, again, not a storied career, not a crazy, flashy, highlight reel career, but it's just fun to watch him play. And, right, um, it was either Kevin Adams or Brian, uh, Don Granado came out recently and said they want to try to resign him he's vital to this team which is awesome right you need guys like that so yeah shout out to zungus uh my unsung hero is casey middlestat um so i've obviously already admitted i was wrong on this take i think oh like i already mentioned before i think having 71 on his line was part of the reason but i think one of the bigger parts of why maybe i was very skeptical of him was this was the first year he played all 82 games. This has been a guy that's been hurt in a lot of previous years, which I think really affected his psyche and his production. I think you can also, as a fan, I know I do sometimes you get caught up and you see a guy that's picked eighth overall and you see, you know, especially what he did for team USA. And you're just like, Oh my God, this guy's got to be a stud and be in the likes of like a top 20 player in the league. Um, But no, Casey, had a really nice end of the year. The reason why I chose him as my unsung hero is because when Tage Thompson and Alex Tuck and all these guys were shuffling around in and out of the lineups, Jordan Greenway even for a little stretch, he was plugged in to the top few lines and he produced at an extremely high level. He was a huge reason why down the stretch we were even in playoff contention because he made a lot of huge plays. He had the great goal to get Craig Anderson that win. You know, he was one of the main catalysts for, you know, keeping us in the race for as long as we did. Um, You know, he stepped up in big moments. I thought he did a great job this year from a physicality standpoint. I thought he was fighting a lot harder on the corners, um, something that, you know, you really hadn't seen in his game um, his first few years in the league. I feel like he really dedicated himself in the offseason, he even said it in his, you know, presser to end the year as far as why he wasn't going to play for USA was because he wanted to, you know, take the full offseason, stay healthy after playing a full 82 and make sure he can do that again next year. It's clear that Granano Adams think very highly of him, that he's going to be this core guy. And for a guy that's probably going to be putting up a consistent 55 to 65 points, maybe the even occasional 70 point season um, being a rotational second line or your third line center going forward. You know, it's a great problem to have for the Sabres. If you're going into next year and your one, two, three is Tage cousins and Middlestat, you're in great shape. Also the way he played this year is going to give this team so much flexibility from the standpoint of, there's a world where next year maybe Casey Middlestat stays with Jeff Skinner and Alex Tuck and the Tage Thompson goes with Dylan Cousins. Like there's so many different things that this is going to be able to allow the team to do. You know, when lines aren't working, you know you can flip things up and feel comfortable. Um, I think he's good for the second power play as well to kind of control things. Um, and yeah, I definitely will say when I was wrong and he had a really great year. Um, and was really huge for this team down the stretch, and they definitely would not have been in that position without him. So uh, props to him, like you said before, to rise into the occasion and taking advantage of the opportunity because 
you know, this was a guy that last year going into the season was reported out of training camp. He was the best player out there. He was ready to seize the opportunity, gets hurt first game, and then Tage Thompson kind of seizes the moment and becomes Tage Thompson. Um, so props to him for getting through all the adversity that he's had to deal with with injuries, um, bad line play, and, you know, just rising to the moment when the team needed him. Um, that's why he was uh, my unsung hero this year. Um, most improved, I think, was an interesting one. I know for me personally, it was not a hard selection at all. I thought it was uh, pretty clear cut who the top couple guys for this were going to be. Um, so, Andrew, I'll let you go first because I think you definitely chose someone interesting for most improved. Um, and I think he's going to be a, a vital part to the team going forward in a role that maybe uh, people didn't see him in at the beginning of the year. But I think he's really found a groove of what his role is going to be in the NHL and for this team. Yeah, for sure. So my most improved, I went with um, a guy who's newer to the team. Didn't play too much for the, uh, didn't play a full year uh, last year, but had a good chunk of time this year. I went with Peyton Krebs. Um, Now, most improved, if you look at his stats, he's got two more goals than he did last year, uh, but he's got almost double the games he played, right? So you're like, all right, I don't, I don't understand like why you most improved. The reason I picked him to be most improved is I think he has starting to find his identity of the type of hockey player he wants to be in the National Hockey League. Remember, he's still very young, right? This is his third uh, professional season coming from Vegas um, as a rookie. I, I think he just was able to go out there and play the game that he wanted to play. He started to turn into a bruiser for the squad, right? Getting in more fights, putting his body on the line for his teammates um, and just kind of being a player that you could rely on, right? Again, wasn't flashy, didn't have a, a bunch of crazy stats, didn't have a bunch of goals, but I think he did enough to to warrant um, some respect from his teams, right? He Anywhere they would put him, power play, you know, the different lines in and out of lineup. He was there. He showed up um, and you could always count on him. So I really enjoyed what I saw out of him this year. I, I love, and, and he even talked about it um, in uh, the, you know, end of season presser about um, being a bruiser and being a guy who's going into fights and stuff. And I just, I, I like seeing that out of him, right? A young player who, could go the other way and try to be a finesse player, a guy who, you know, doesn't want to, doesn't want the attention, doesn't want the, um, the heat or the punches or anything. But um, I feel like he really kind of leaned into it this year. Um, And that's what this team needs is that this team needed some aggression, needed some identity, needs some tough bodies out there to not get pushed around like they had been in the past. So uh, I really appreciated and, and respected how, Payton Krebs stood up um, and stepped up and, and was able to do that. So, um, so yeah, so that was the reason I, I picked most improved was him kind of fitting into his role on this team and, and being there for the squad. Yeah. I think the Bruins game was kind of that mm-hmm. wake up moment. He has the head on Taylor Hall and then he immediately drops the gloves and starts a fight in a yep. big moment for a team in a building that, that, you know, the Bruins best regular season team in NHL history this year. And yeah. you go in there and you, come back and win overtime. And that was a big moment for it. That was one of the, my favorite games of the year. Yeah. 
That's um, I was just going to say that looking back, thinking on the, on the year, that game, right. That was right around new year's, right. Wasn't yep. that new year's day or something like that, man. I, that's, that was one of the first times in a long time. I actually was screaming in my living room, watching the, the Sabres for good reason. Yeah. Such a fun game. And you're right. Nick, he was a huge reason for it. Yeah. And he, like you said, he, he finally found his role. We had that weird stretch during and a little bit after the eight game losing streak where we were having the Jack Quinn's Peyton Krebs, JJ Paterka's the Henestrosa's all kind of rotating in and out of the lineup. And you were kind of like, all right, like, do we just send one of these guys back down to Rochester? Like, what's the point of them sitting? But it really did show that the coaching staff and Adams deserve a lot of credit because those guys came back ready to play. And I think what Peyton Krebs realized, not only in that game, but leading up to it and then throughout the rest of the year, it's like, listen, like, I know I'm a great passer. You know, I don't think I'm going to be an elite goal scorer in this league, but let me, for this team, let me find a role that I can excel in, give A-plus effort every single night, and help my team win. And when he was inserted with Gergensen and Oposo, it was kind of the perfect role. He could kind of still be that offensive guy, you know, on the ice, throw pucks to the net where, you know, Gergensen and Oposo are going to keep their nose around the puck, you know, fight when needed, be an absolute pass like a Brad March on, like, people were legitimately pissed to play against Peyton Krebs towards the end of the year, especially like the Florida Panthers and the Rangers. Like they hated seeing that guy out on the ice. He was awesome on the PK. I mean, I think he's going to continue to grow. So um, I definitely liked that pick from you, Andrew. Um, My most improved was very simple. It's the guy I've been talking about for the last two years. It was Dylan Cousins. I mean, this kid jumped from 38 points to 68 points played 81 games so very consistent went from 13 to 31 goals only scratching the surface he talked about wanting to be a 40 goal scorer next year and that granado still thinks there's another level to him he has you know the grit that you need you know everyone always talks about off the ice as far as the leadership like this kid is going to be a future assistant captain or captain for this team. You, t- you know, last year drives in from, you know, working out, I believe in Rochester, maybe it was in on the other side of the border in Canada, just to come watch like Matt Savoy and like all these guys right after they got drafted and just wanted to be there. And, you know, he was texting Granado during the draft, like pumped up for, you know, the players they were picking you look at the Ryan Miller night. Ryan Miller goes out against Anaheim on the air and goes, like, right after the game, like, without asking me, without doing anything, he's giving the game-winning sick that he just scored on Ryan Miller night to his son, Bodie. Like, he's a guy that gets it. Um, So for him to jump up 30 points, be consistent, we saw him fight one of the toughest guys on the Bruins in Frederick when they were getting their ass kicked. Like, he's not afraid to stand up for his teammates. And he makes the 30-point jump playing with two rookies almost the entire year. So as that group continues to grow together, or regardless of who's going to be on his line, the fact that he was able to make that jump, be as productive as he was, and be productive for this team when they needed him to, um, especially when Tage and uh, Tuck went out for a little bit and he kind of had to pick up some of the scoring, um, it was awesome to see. And then for him to kind of bring J.J. Paterka and Jack Quinn under his wing. Um, Those guys talked very highly of him. You know, this is a guy that he was, you know, it's his only his third season. He's still trying to figure it out too. 
You know, last year he only had 38 points in 79 games. Um, so for him to make the jump that he did, um, I think the sky's the limit there. And, you know, the Sabres definitely have their shit figured out for number one and two center going for the next seven years. So um, big props to him. Yeah, and I uh, <clears throat> just quickly, uh, honorary mention for most improved. Um, I'll say, right, like, how about the Sabres organization as a whole, right? Like, not not the, the play on the ice, but just the team as a whole. You think their social media, you think the different nights they've done, right? Like the Ryan Miller, you had the RJ Knight, Previous between two stalls now. <laughs> between two stalls, yeah. The the interaction, the stuff they're doing, just an incredible turnaround that this team and organization have has done to help with the PR and bringing fans back into that building, giving them something to be excited about, something to cling on to, something to interact with, to feel like, yeah, this is our team. These are our neighbors, these are our players. Give us something to be proud of and kind of help build on the emotion that the city and these fans have been longing for for so long. Um, right, just first class, well done. Um, Miller Knight was absolutely incredible, everything they did there. And right again, I mentioned RJ Knight previously, that was last season, right? Mm-hmm. But still, I just like everything. I mean, think back to the fiasco. In previous years, like with the the jerseys from China that just looked awful and and just botching stuff, um, the way they've turned everything around has just been incredible. Uh, so honorary mention there. Yeah, and I mean, if you think to last year, like really the only nights they really sold out or there was the big crowd was obviously the RJ night and then like Eichel's return and things of that nature. And yeah, we sold those games out again this year too. But yeah, you can speak to it. It's just like. You went to the Carolina game, like just a big game, oh, like yeah. no nothing like special going on as far as like a special night, yeah, or anything like that. And the building was packed. You could hear like the watching it down in Florida, like being able to hear the crowd through the TV again is like mm-hmm. such like a goosebumpy feeling. Like yeah. that hasn't been like you haven't felt that in years, right? Um, so like you said, to feel that is just you're we're going in the right direction. Yeah, well, and even with the goat heads, I mean, fans have been wanting goat heads back for a long time. And not only did they bring them back, they wore them so much. They they wore and them dominated in them so often. They dominated in them. The the hype around them was fun, like the stuff they did, the you know, switching social media colors and everything over to black and red when it was time to wear the goat, like just everything count down to with a goat just walking. Yeah. Around. Yeah. Like everything was just done so well um, this year. So yeah, nice little honorary mention there. Um, Final award MVP. I feel like this mm-hmm. one was, you could have picked a number of guys for this. I mean, there was so many guys that stepped up and played mm-hmm. huge roles in being where they were at. Um, so I'll let you go first, and I think your answer is probably by far the favorite um, overall for this. Yeah, so um, I think right, both both of our selections, no-brainers, probably everyone's answers. Um, I went with Tage Thompson. I just he is he was the star of the season, hands down. He was the best player on the ice for this team. Every night, just everything he did was just 
incredible. How many highlight reels, uh, how highlight reel games and goals and just moments did he have this season? Just countless. So many incredible. Um, he was playing injured the last couple weeks, last month of the season, and still produced. He was on pace to break scoring records. He had 94 points, which incredible, right? When was the last time the Sabres had a guy produced like that? Um, 47 goals, just incredible. Just he is the face of this team getting national attention. Like I had friends here. In Pittsburgh, they're Penguins fans through and through, never paid attention to the Sabres because they were an absolute dumpster fire. They were asking me about Tage Thompson. They were watching Sabres games to watch Tage Thompson. The things he was able to do, the way he has just elevated his gameplay this season and what he was able to produce, just absolutely incredible. He was so much fun to watch. You never knew what was going to happen when the puck was on his stick. So just and right, everything he does for the community, living in Buffalo um, with his wife and his his kid. So I just, yeah, I, no one deserves it more than Tage Thompson. He just incredible job by him. I'm excited to keep watching him grow and continue to perform. And you know that uh, contract looks pretty damn good now. You know all those naysayers saying they paid him too much. You know, jokes on you, idiots. Yeah. Um... I went with a different answer, partially just because I feel like Tage is the obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, don't disagree with it at all. All your points are complete, 100% right, 100% valid, and MVP is well is the right word to put on Tage Thompson. Uh, I went with another guy kind of for two other reasons. Um, I went with Alex Tuck, and I'm just going to read you a stat line real quick, Andrew. Uh, 67 games, 27 goals. Uh, 39 assists for 66 points. Do you have any idea who that player could be? He's not a Buffalo Sabre. Uh, I'm not sure, Nick. Who is that? Uh, that's Jack Eichel. Um, so, so 67 games, 66 points, plus 26. Like, still a good year. Great player. You know, you know, really, really good. Really good. Uh, I'm going to read you another stat line. Uh, 74 games, 36 goals, 43 assists for 79 points. Plus 14. Who do you think that might be? Oh, I don't know, Nick. Who is it? Alex Tuck. Oh, no way. <laughs> so, yeah. um, Yeah, I mean, all joking aside, like, I talked about before, I think, a few weeks ago, as far as that trade is the biggest trade this organization's really ever had to make and probably will make. And Kevin Adams had to get that right. Mm-hmm. And sure as shit, he nailed that one on the head. Getting a guy in here who loves Buffalo, you got the most out of him compared to any other year Vegas has ever gotten on him. Like the potential that Alex Tuck has, I mean, he's just 26 years old. He'll be 27 soon. But I mean, Compared to what he was doing in Vegas, like his highest point total before this year in Vegas was 52 points. He had 79 points with Buffalo in 74 games, and he had 38 last year and only 50 games with us. Like he hasn't even begun to scratch the surface of the player he could be. So being the player that's involved in the biggest trade this organization's ever had 
you saw what the Orion O'Reilly deal did to this team for so long. Granted, Tage is making up for that now, but you'll never be able to erase that Ryan O'Reilly went, won a Stanley Cup the year after, won a Con Smythe. And two of the three players that you got back in that trade pretty much just quit your team and walked away or sucked. And who knows what's going to happen with Ryan Johnson. But Tage Thompson is working his way to kind of evening out that deal. But the pressure Alex Tuck probably had to face being a quote-unquote hometown guy coming in having to try to help save a franchise that hasn't made the playoffs for that long. And then in his end-of-the-year presser, talking about, yeah, I was supposed to be out like months and I came back in like four weeks because I just wanted to win for my team and be out there. Um, Just speaks to the volume of his character, leadership quality, like I mentioned before with, with Cousins, like Tuck does is the exact same, like probably a future captain of this team, like gets it on and off the ice, just like you mentioned with Tage. Um, so for him to go through the adversity of getting hurt this year, especially when he's had some injury issues in the past, grinding it out at the end of the season for his team. And then just at times when Tade didn't have it going, like just putting the team on his back, like this is a guy like I know Tade is out there once in a while for PKs and stuff, but Tuck's out there for overtime. He's out there for penalty kills. He's out there for the first power play. Like he's just out there in all facets of the game. And when the team doesn't have it going, he always seems like the player that kind of galvanizes the troops and always has that like hard checking shift out of a period, gets a big time goal and gets the team back into the game. Um, So that's kind of why I decided to go with Tuck. Um, Not that Tage isn't deserving, just kind of the whole aura around you're the guy headlining piece of the Eichel trade. And you come in and you did this. You battled your ass off of your team when you were also clearly hurt. Uh, just speaks a lot about him. And the fact that we're able to have the conversations we have with all the different players we named, considering in previous years that we had this conversation, it's pretty much like, yeah, Eichel and Reinhardt were like MVPs, most improved, and then most disappointing. You could have named like 50 different guys. Um, it's a brush of fret air that it's completely opposite where it's, yeah, there's only really two or three guys that are disappointing and all the rest could have been picked for every other category. Um, so, yeah, Alex Tuck was my uh, team MVP. Yeah. No, I like it. I, I just – I think I think this team is surrounding themselves with high-quality players and just men and people that want to be here for all the right reasons, and that's what you need. Yeah, absolutely. Um. There's going to be a lot going on with the Sabres, um, I think, probably in about a month or so. Um, Obviously, the Penguins kind of let go of a lot of people, and there's a lot of Sabres front office people being rumored to maybe potentially be fits there. I know, obviously, former GM Jason Botterill is also in that conversation. Um, So we'll kind of see what happens there. Um, Before we kind of close today's show, I do want to see um, maybe just one thing, whether it's Adams or Granato. Um, from their kind of end of your pressers that maybe stuck out to you in either a positive way or you were kind of like, oh, that's kind of surprising going into next year um, as maybe a storyline to kind of watch in the offseason. So I'll let you kind of go first. Yeah, so my favorite thing, uh, kind of quote, is something that 
something from Don Granado that kind of validated kind of my thought process for this year and moving forward. Um, and it was nice to hear him actually say it. Um, he said, we're set up for year after year. It's not playoffs or bust. There's stability here that hasn't been here in years. We need to keep getting better and things will take care of itself. That's pretty much what I've been saying, right? This whole year, that was at least as a fan, that was my mindset for this year. This year is not playoffs or bus. It's not the end of the world. If they don't make the playoffs, they have to figure out who they are. They have to re-enter relevancy in the national hockey league. And that's what this season was. And even moving forward, like I, the way things ended this year, yes, they better be making the playoffs. I'm not going to say it's playoffs or bust, like Don Granado saying, right? I agree with him there. But what they're doing right now is so vital. They have to do it the right way. They have to. They cannot get anything wrong with the moves they're making, the personnel moves they're making, the roster moves, because they are so close to being a very good team, a great team, for the next four or five years moving forward. These are such vital times for them that every move is so important. And I think that's what he's saying, right? Like they need to keep getting better. And like he said, things will take care of itself. You'll have that sustained success through the next five, six, who knows how many years ahead. The Penguins are on their way out. That's what they did. They how, you know, for how many years have you thought since they've had Sidney Crosby, right? You've just always thought the Penguins are good because they're one of those teams that took their time. They got their pieces. Sidney Crosby was that one that set them over the top, along with Melkin and Latang and all those great players they had. It took them time to get to that point, and they had such sustained success. That's what the Sabres are doing now. And I like hearing that from the head coach because you know. You know Kevin Adams is right there with him. They've got that mindset. You know these are the right guys for the job to get the Sabres over that hump and into relevancy, into the top tier of the league. And they're right there. They are so close. And they're doing it the right way, right? I talked about at trade deadline time, don't just make a move just to make a move. Sure, if there's a name you saw on Twitter available, doesn't mean you have to go get them. If it's the right player, for this roster, for this team, for this locker room, for the city, great, do it. If not, be patient, and there's a guy out there for you. This team is in such a great spot. You don't want to do anything to ruin what you have going. So to hear that from the coach, you know the players think that. You know the front office thinks that. Kevin Adams thinks that. So that just – it was very – kind of gave me the warm and fuzzies that, hey, this team is in the right hands. They're in good control that they, they are they're in a good spot and it's only going to get better from here so love that yeah completely agree we're building for the next six seven eight years not just yeah. two we're not as much as I, I do think that i like him saying like we're if we just do what we need to do we will make the playoffs like yeah and, and look, a, I it's wanna... like a nonchalant way of saying it's playoffs or bust but in like a nicer more like hey like I understand we can't go backwards like that can't happen, but right. Like if we just handle our business, we're going to go forward. So yeah, like it's, it's so easy to add flashy names and and just do quick one year contracts and try to get lucky, get, you know, get a good spot, get in the playoffs, break the drought. Then what happens, right? Like do it the right way, build things up and and good things are going to come. So, um, and, and that's not to say I don't want them to, 
make the playoffs and break the street, the, the drought right away. Um, but I want it done the right way. And, and it seems like that's the philosophy going through that building right now. Yeah. I think um, my biggest takeaway was a kind of a combo of um, Granado and Adams, as far as I, I like the standpoint of, Hey, like the crease right now is wide open. Like it's kind of anyone's game. Um, but the thought of Granado saying that they're comfortable with Levi and UPL as their one-two next year was a was a bit of a scary thought. Um, I wasn't that surprised he said it like a lot of other people because if you ever since Granado's gotten here, the one thing that he's the most consistent about is like his belief in his players that like yeah. they're gonna be good. Like they put in the work. Um, UPL was obviously frustrated during his closer he's like listen like i wanted to be out there but like i understood even eric i thought eric comrie like of all the players like if you haven't listened to like his end of year like he like spoke for like i think 11 to 15 inches like very insightful of he understands like the culture like he doesn't it almost seems like he doesn't even care if like he's the third guy or an ahl goalie for us next year and like gets called upon when needed he only talked about like yeah, like, I wish I wouldn't have gotten hurt and I could have taken the reins in the net a little more. But, like, when Devin Levi was in, like, yeah, like, I wish I was in there, but I was rooting for him. I wasn't hoping he sucked because I wanted to be in there. Like, just a guy that got it. Um, So, like, UPL definitely has some untapped potential, I think, still there. It's just more of he's definitely had his fair share of chances in the net and he hasn't really taken it by storm. Um, so the idea of having two guys who are unproven, especially as great as Levi was, you know, it's a very small sample size. Um, you know, I'm not saying he can't go out there next year and play 60 games and go like, you know, 40, 18 and two or something like that's not out of the realm of possibility. Like the kid's good, but, um, the idea of going in with those two next year, um, especially if they both struggle early on or something, uh, or an injury happens is kind of a scary thought. Um, but I also wonder how much of that is, hey, we're not going to reveal what we're thinking of doing. And, you know, we're going to explore the market of what we can maybe get for this guy or, hey, let's see what he does in the offseason, see how he performs in training camp, see if he actually is ready to split with Devin and push each other. Because maybe that's what happens next year. Maybe they push each other so well that you have a all-mark Swayman type situation you know, I'm a little skeptical based on how UPL's played so far. Um, because it's not like he's dominated like Levi has at the college level. Like even in Rochester, UPL wasn't really dominating. Um, so that was kind of interesting. But um, I definitely just think it just makes for an interesting offseason. But we're in good shape. We we drafted a goalie high last year, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having Comrie as the third guy is kind of a luxury. You know, as much as you want to shit on the guy, like he did have some really good games this year. Um, so it'll be uh, interesting to see, but it's the most fun we've had talking about a Sabres offseason in a while without having to fake talk yourself into why Eric Stahl and Taylor Hall were going to help get this team into the playoffs. Oh, man, remember those days? Holy <laughs> smokes. But um, that's pretty much going to do it for today's episode. Appreciate everyone for tuning in. It was a fun Sabre season. Big game for the Bandits Saturday. Um, Congrats, Tyler Bass. NFL draft coming on us quick, so be sure to be uh, locked in there. Give us a follow on our socials. 
Uh, the link tree is in the description for Apple Podcasts and Spotify to do so. Posting some cool graphics here um, today. Um, so we'll give them a follow and a like. But appreciate all the support as always. It's been the Buffalo Oil Podcast, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. Connection, Allen and Diggs. No one circles the wagon like the Buffalo Bills.